0: If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, and you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in His love... These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. For you are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves. For the slave does not know his ma- what his master is doing. But I have called you, my friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father, I have known to you, made known to you. Verse 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give to you. This I command you, That you love one another. God bless his word. John chapter 15, we're talking about the vine. And there's something in there that not only speaks about the vine, but it speaks about the true vine. The last words that any person would ever speak on his dying bed or departure would be some of the most important words that you want to communicate to someone. And Jesus, chapter 13, chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, Jesus is most probably some of the most important and wonderful passages of scriptures in the book of John, where Jesus is now preparing his disciples because he's on his way, To pay the ultimate price for your salvation and the salvation of the world. And so what he wants to communicate to these disciples is the most important thing that he wants to say to them. It's the same in Matthew chapter 28, where Jesus gives the great commission, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Because he was going to go away, he wanted them to understand that this is absolutely important. The day and hour that you and I live in is the most crucial times that we find ourselves in. I never believed that I would be seeing what I'm seeing in these days and hearing what I'm hearing these days. I heard prophetically speaking way back in the beginning people talking about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The onslaught against the church and all of these things. And I sat there as a young believer looking at this missionary, wanting to be like him. And I said to myself, I cannot see these things. How is this ever going to happen? Well, believe it or not, it's happening before our eyes. Prophecy is being fulfilled every day. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is under attack like never before. I also find that there are many, many people who say they are Christians. In South Africa, they say there's 80% of the population of South Africa's Christians. Now, they say 10% of that 80% uh, uh, are believers. Now, I don't know how many are really born-again believers of the 10%. I know I'm talking about the churches in Mitchell's Plain. I'm not talking about Connect, so you can relax here this morning. That's what I'm talking about, all right? But in John chapter 14, Jesus says something, and Brad alluded to this when he shared the word. In John 14, 20, he says, In that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So as believers, as men and women who have committed our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, according to John fourteen twenty, which speaks about the abiding life, we are now that we have become Christians, we are in Christ. Jesus is now also talking to his disciples about the union of Christ. With him and the relationship that he has with them. Because he's talking to believers. He's not talking to men and women who do not believe. Who do not, who have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus even brought division amongst the Jewish people. Some for and some against. As he spoke about this that we read of in John chapter 15. Now, here he was in the upper room. With his disciples. And he was teaching and sharing with them some wonderful things. I tell you, I would have given everything to have been there around that table. To hear some of those wonderful secrets and things that Jesus spoke about. Or just to be a fly on the wall. To see and to hear what was taking place right there. And he shared these secrets with them just before his departure. This was spoken of during the Passover meal, or very shortly afterwards, if I could say so. And at the table, there was the bread, and there was the fruit of the vine. And if you look at John chapter 15 and verse 1, if you blink, you will miss it. As to what John captured, as to what Jesus said at that table in John 15, he says, I am the true vine. Now, if you go into the Old Testament, you'll find there are many recordings that is given as to the vine. and talks about disobedience and judgment and all kinds of things. But here, Jesus says he's not just one of those vines. He says he is the true vine. I am the real vine. In the 30 odd thousand verses in the Bible... This title appears only once. Where Jesus says, I am the true vine. And John, whom Jesus, who loved Jesus even more, and Jesus loved him even more. He captures this one. And he records it for our reading and understanding. So if we look at John chapter 15. We discover the meaning of this rare and unique title and what it teaches about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people call this a parable. Others call it a metaphor. But here Jesus comes and he brings out the true and the false. In Matthew 13, you can read about. There are those amongst you who say you have done this and you've done that and you've shared this and you've preached this. And I've done all of these wonderful works, but Jesus said, hey, "Can I don't know you. I don't know what you're talking about. So there's also the false side, but Jesus wants to capitalize on that, which is true. Many people say they love Jesus. Many people read the Bible. Many people are warned about the superficial faith. And I believe that we find ourselves in a time where we really have to count the cost. Where we have to get to the place where we deny ourselves. We come to the cross and we have to die. Many people say and they quote the verses of Galatians where it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I. But we haven't died to ourselves. And if we are going to bring forth the kind of fruit that is spoken of in John chapter 15, we need to die to ourselves. Now Judas was one of the believers there in the room with the twelve. But when they left the room, there was only eleven. Judas departed. He left. He didn't stay. I don't know if you had this. uh, Many people have asked the question before. Why did Jesus choose Judas? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I mean, Jesus, I mean, being omniscient, he knows everything. Just like he knew exactly what was going on in the heart of Lucifer way back in the beginning. He knew what was in the heart of Judas, but he chose him. Why did he choose him? I don't have a problem with that. I have a bigger problem than that. Why did Jesus choose me? There are some observations I want to bring to your attention here that I've made a note of before. Let's look at it in its context. The first way of observation for me, these verses were written to those Who know Christ. They were abiding in him. He had called them by name. They walked with him. They saw. They heard. They were believers. There's nothing here in John chapter 15. That speaks about salvation for the unsaved. This is written for believers. second observation that I see here is that the truth here clusters around the symbol of the vine and a branch which Jesus uses metaphorically to describe our spiritual life in Him. The second thing that I see, which is the main subject of chapter 15, is abiding. The theme of the passage is the branches, because that is the relationship you and I have with the vine, Jesus Christ. The fourth observation for me is that the result of abiding is bearing fruit. As Jesus said earlier, and I said earlier on, and I mentioned that, uh, John doesn't talk about salvation, alright? Because he, this is the end closing of any sermon where we would want to speak about those who do not know Christ. But reference here is definitely not salvation. He focuses on fruit. The kind of That ripens in those who abide. The kind of fruit that ripens in those who abide. Now, there are four kinds of vines that John speaks of here in John chapter 15. In verse 2, the first verse 2a, he speaks about those who do not bear fruit. One. Number two, he speaks about those who bear fruit. Thirdly, he speaks about there in verse 2 as well, those who bear more fruit. And then fourthly, he speaks in verse 5 and in verse 8 of John chapter 15 about those who bear much fruit. Emphasis on do not bear fruit, bear more fruit, and bear much fruit. The expectation of us as believers here this morning that God wants you and me to bring forth fruit. And it only happens when we abide in the vine and we ought to bring forth fruit, much fruit, fruit that will remain. This is the picture before us here in John chapter 15. To remain in the vine. Not just be in the vine on a Sunday morning. But to remain in the vine, to abide in the vine, to draw a life from the vine, because without him we can do nothing. And Jesus clearly identifies himself as the vine there in John chapter 15 verse 1. In fact, he calls himself the true vine. Emphasis on true Making it read that I am the true Vine, and this he said to his closest friends, just be, excuse me, just before Judas betrayed him there in John chapter thirteen, I think it is, if I have it correct, in John thirteen, um, verse thirty, and so after receiving the morsel. He went out immediately, and it was night. to He betrayed the Lord Judas. You know, down through the Jewish history, the vine became the symbol of Israel. And in the time of the Maccabees, on the coins... There was the symbol of the vine. And on the synagogue, in gold over the door, there was the head temple, there was this golden vine that was placed there over the, the, the doorway of the temple. And I'm sure as Jesus left the upper room with his disciples, And he was walking out into the night, and the moon was out there. It was a Passover time. It was beautiful weather at that particular point in time. He passed the synagogue, and the vine was there. And he looked at the vine, and he taught them a lesson that they will never forget. And he pointed to the vine. And he says, and and I'm sure he spoke about all the times of references, because Jesus borrowed this from the Old Testament when he spoke. And right there, he brought to their attention all the times that he has spoken to the nation and to the people and reference to the vine. But right here, he says to them, now, you know about all those times that I've spoken to you about this and that and the vine. But I want you to know something. I am the true vine. He is the true vine. And he identifies the father. In verse 1, as the vine dresser, And the Father is deeply interested in you and me, in us. Can you imagine in your mind's eye this morning, God the Father sitting on the throne, and He's looking down over us with passion and love as He looks over you and over me and over us. With one desire. Oh that they will only grasp this and understand. I want them to bring forth fruit. That will glorify me. That will speak of my love and my goodness. Although he mentions the branches there in verses 2 and 4. It's not only when you get to verse 5 of John chapter 15 that Jesus identifies them as believers. Abide in me. The focus is on production, the focus is on pruning. Because this is the secret to fruit bearing. Now, some of you might be good gardeners. Some of you might have been raised out there in the vineyards. I tell you, uh, when you ride out into our vineyards out here, it's so beautiful. Uh, And if other different parts of the country, when you drive in those places, you can say, I can get used to this. It's so beautiful. And I'm sure as Jesus was going out there, teaching them the lesson, the object lesson. Of abiding. Because listen, if there is no abiding, there is no fruit. If there is no abiding, there is no fruit. This is the entire purpose of the branch in the vine. To bear fruit, not just some fruit, but to bring forth much fruit. What kind of fruit are we talking about here this morning? I think here also in the Bible, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, verse 23, uh, we are taught Paul has the answer for us. If you could see on the slide there, it talks about love that we need to have amongst each other. Hey, by the way, just look to the person next to you. Don't look at me. Uh, I'm married. All right. Look at the person next to you and just say to that person, Hey, I love you with the love of the Lord. And if it's your husband and your wife, you can give them a good hug as well. (laughs) The fruit of the Spirit is love. And this is what we want to see operative here at Connect. This is what we want to see operative in South Africa. This hating and blaming and killing and doing all kinds of stuff. That we are doing in this beautiful city, Cape Town, must come to an end. And the only people that can stop that is those who are abiding in the vine because they will understand the true love that only God has that can redeem mankind. Joy. You can smile this morning. We have the joy of the Lord. Amen. This is not a place to be said. It's almost like the boy that was on to church in the morning uh, with his dad. And he saw those donkey's feeding out there. And he says, donkey? He said, his dad, dad, is that a Christian? He says, no, why? He said, no, because he has such a long face. <laughs> Some of us come to this place and we look like we've been baptized in lemon juice. I don't know what it's going to be like, Daniel, this evening. I see a lot of us join the 6 o'clock service. All right, I'm inviting all the guys and the ladies in my category to come and join us tonight in the 6 o'clock service. And let's have some fun. Peace. Do we need that? Yes. Patience. That is something I'm working on. My kids tell me all the time, Daddy, you've got a lot of stuff, but you don't have patience. (laughs) Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. In South Africa, it's very difficult to have self-control. Only the Spirit of God can do that for us. If you and I are abiding... These are the characteristics of a Christian that is abiding in the vine. And you know, the fruit of the Spirit is not there for you or for me to enjoy. The Spirit of God in my life that fills me, that empowers me, that controls me, that directs me, that brings forth the fruit of the Spirit is there for others to enjoy. And this is what the world needs. And may God help us as a church that they can say up there on the hill in the valley there's a church called Connect. And boy, if you want to enjoy the fruit of the Spirit, go there. If you and I are abiding. Now Jesus accomplishes this through two different methods. Number one, He takes away The branches that are not bearing fruit. Now, remember what I said there are many people who say they are Christians and they follow some religious way, but they are not born again. And they say they are in Christ, they say they believe the Bible, they say they believe all of these cardinal doctrines, but they are not abiding. Now, Jesus says there are some things that he does is he takes away the branches that are not bearing fruit. And you know, the Greek word for takes away, because like I said, we can spend some time here this morning and talk a lot about the taking away, what it means. And there are different views and different schools on that. But I leave that to Brad. He's the teacher, the professor. He will do that for us. But... When we take the original word, the Greek word, of taking away, it means to raise up. It means to take up. It means to lift up. Any farmer will tell you when a branch is hanging in the dirt, it won't bring forth the fruit. So what they do, they lift it up and they prop it up so that that particular branch can bear the fruit that it needs to bear. And that's what God does for us. When we are down, when we feel that no one cares, when no one loves us, when trials come our way and problems come our way and we're hanging down there, the love and the passionate Christ comes and He lifts us up because He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He is there with us. This is said of vines, That are hanging in the dirt, it will be lifted. And then God prunes those branches that are not bearing much fruit or enough fruit. Now, you may be bearing fruit and you, you serve the Lord, you live for the Lord, you have accepted the Lord, but you're not bearing the much more fruit. You're bearing fruit. And so, what God does gives you a wake up call, right? And God does some strange things, but he's always there to provide and to take care of us. Now, it can come through a different way. It can come through your business going pear-shaped. It can come through your financial reverses. I'm so glad I can talk about that because I don't have any. I'll leave that to Byron. Um, so, But then it also comes painfully through sickness. It comes painfully through death. Many ways, one little story that I have that I share, and I will share that with you, is that a few years ago, we have five children, and we have six grandkids. Now always the people say these pastors have a lot of children because they don't have much to do. so <laughs> so we have five. Don't worry I've got the reader's permission to share that story. But our firstborn. Went away to study, and he had just finished his trade and his skill, and he was coming home. We got a call that morning. My one daughter and I, we were in the kitchen when we got the call, and he was coming home. So, three o'clock, four o'clock the morning, I get a phone call. Now, when your phone rings that time of the morning, you know that something is up. And then you hear, it's a policeman on the line. Oh, then you really realize that something is nonsense. And he says, do you have a son by the name of Donovan? I said, yes. Sir, I'm sorry I have to inform you that your son has been in a motor car accident and he has been killed. I turn around and I look at my wife snoring away next to me. How do I tell this lady that her firstborn has been killed in a motor car accident? I walked out of my bedroom that night. I went to and stand outside under the lamppost and all messed up emotionally, trying to find the words and to muster up enough courage to go in there and to tell her. And while I'm standing there, the next thing I find is that somebody is taking my hand and I look to my left and I see it's my wife and she says to me Barry what's wrong now you guys know that you can't say that to your wife when she asks you a question that there's nothing wrong she knows that something is wrong eventually long story short I tell her what happened she looks me in the eye for a split second that seemed like eternity And she says to me, now we have to trust God. We now have to practice what we preach. And I'm standing there, still messed up. What are you talking about? And she says, we have to thank God for this. The Bible says in all things, give thanks. Not just when you win the lotto. The Bible says in all things. Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So by faith we gave thanks. Now we did that. I still couldn't understand. It It took me a long time to really digest all of this. But in hindsight when I look back. I see the hand of God. Now, I know we're going to see our son again, and we will have a cause to rejoice. But when we did that act of obedience and faith in giving thanks in that moment, when we were being pruned, God took Rita and myself into another level of ministry and dimension That we could not have experienced in any other way. So I don't know what you are going through. I don't know what your difficulties are. I don't know what's happening in your home. With your son and your daughter. In your business. Or your family members. I don't know. But he does. And sometimes God will take methods which is painful. To prune us to cut us, to bring us to a place where we bring forth the much fruit that he wants us to bring forth. I'm just going to put up this quote here so that we could read that quickly. I'm not going to spend much time on that because I have elaborated to her. As I was reading through some of the stuff that I was looking at while preparing myself, I came across this quotation by John uh, Merrill C. Tenney. And this is what he said. In pruning a vine, we could put that uh, slide up there please. Um, Right, we've got it there. In pruning a vine, two principles are generally observed. First, all dead wood must be ruthlessly removed. Secondly, the live wood must be cut back drastically so that they can bring forth the fruit. Dead wood, listen to this, dead wood harbors insects and disease and may cause the vine to rot. To say nothing of being unproductive and unsightly, live wood must be trimmed back in order to prevent such heavy growth that the life of the vine goes into the wood rather than into fruit. The vineyards in the early spring look like a collection of barren bleeding stumps. But in the fall they are filled with luxuriant purple grapes. As the farmer wields the pruning knife on the vines, so God cuts dead wood out from amongst his saints. Aina, Aina, And often cuts back the living wood. So far, so far back that his method seems cruel. Nevertheless, from those who have suffered the most, there often comes the greatest fruitfulness. God doesn't make a mistake. You might have been turned down, you might have lost your job, you've submitted a tender. You applied to a university, you never succeeded, you felt like your world was crumbling, all was coming down, but God has a purpose. God has a plan. And through the faith you and I have, we can trust in Christ's word. I said this morning, and I say it again, and I always say it, it was our beginning in the word of God, and I hope to the day I leave it will be in the word of God and I'm part of a fellowship of a church that believes in the Word of God. We preach it, we declare it, we believe it, we receive it, and we deliver it as it is. The Word of God. Not gimmicks and stories. It's the Word. That's the cleansing agent for all of us. Inspires us to a holiness promotes us to grow in the faith, and it reveals how you and I can receive and know the power of God. The disciples, through the word, they had become clean. They had been justified before God. They had been grafted into the vine. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, verses 8 through to 11, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's no condemnation. And for the disciples who are walking with Jesus Christ, their need for daily sanctification, setting apart and fruit bearing, however, still remain. This is why Jesus came Although they had come to the saving knowledge of Christ, they have accepted Him, they have embraced Him. He wanted to share with them how they can bear much fruit. And this is why He was giving them this wonderful object lesson through as He walked through the vineyards. And He taught them and saying to them, I am the true vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. You need me. Some of the things that is going to happen to you, Might be painful. And for the church of Jesus Christ. I want to say some of the things that is coming your way. Because there is a storm coming. But God will use these things. To trim us. And to make us the kind of people. That he wants it to be. What does it really mean to abide? A couple of things. It means to depend upon him. We don't depend, depend on our bank account, on these things, but we depend upon Him. Secondly, we draw our strength from the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not produce fruit by an act of parliament. We get our strength from the Lord, not from the government, but from God. We need to stay in contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because without him, we can do nothing. We need to pray. We have been invited to come to a prayer meeting where we can pray. We are going through a situation in our church where we need the backing of prayer. We need every saint, every believer, every boy, every woman, every girl to be in a place of prayer where we can pray for the ministry so that we can reach this part of the vineyard for Jesus Christ and that we can bring forth the kind of fruit that will not just be fruit, but it will be much fruit that will remain. Don't give ourselves the chance to forget him. Pursue him. Abide in me, says Jesus. Ask and you will receive. Only a believer who is already in Christ can abide. Unbelievers don't abide. Only a believer can abide. We're coming to the close of this now. The branches that do not bear fruit may be thrown out by the vine dresser, cut off. But I believe they won't be torn from their salvation. But there will be a time when we stand before God and we will give an account. Every one of us, young and old, tall and short, and fat <laughs> all of us it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment the branch that is cut off by the divine discipline and the fruit of the flesh that branch will be burnt up in first Corinthians Chapter three, verses eleven to fifteen. We read, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which has has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as through fire. I say to myself, I said, if I want to make it to heaven, I want to make it to heaven, and I don't want to be smelling like someone that's stepped back from a bride. The question is, what are we building on? What are we building on? There's some wonderful benefits when we abide. When we abide in the vine. And I wrap up with this, this morning. Four of them. Jesus explains some of these benefits. Number one. Your prayers will be answered. Amen. Your prayers will be answered. I don't know what you're praying for. Some people pray for things that they shouldn't be praying for. But you might be praying for a marriage that might be on rocky soil. You might be praying for a child that has gone pear-shaped and wayward. It's taken a different route. You might be praying for something. I don't know what it might be. But God says, if you are abiding in Him, you can ask what you will, and you will have it. Your prayers will be answered. Check it out there in verse 17, John chapter 15. And verse 8 says, God will be glorified in the much fruit that you bring forth. The prayers that will be answered. Number three, we will be motivated by love. Oh, God help us that our ministry, whatever we do here at Connect and what you do in the corporate world, wherever you find yourself as a child of God that's abiding in the vine, that whatever you do, it will be motivated by love. Verses 9 and 10, John chapter 15. We will face trials, yes. But because of the love of God that has spread abroad in our hearts, this is what motivates us. And we stay in that love. Our joy will reach maximum expression. Because of what we have in Jesus Christ, verse 11 of John, chapter 15. Because you and I, we are partakers of his divine nature, excuse me. If you refuse to abide, there will be barrenness in your life. No fruit. When you stand in the mirror tomorrow morning, when you get up, don't just say, Oh, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But when you stand in front of the mirror, in hindsight, when you look back since the day you responded to the call of Jesus to where you find yourself now, ask yourself the question, What is my life adding up to as a believer? As a child of God. As a member of the body of Christ. Listen. Stay. Don't leave. Stay. Don't leave. Abide. No abiding. No fruit. Abide. Throw yourself from the vine. And there will be. Much. Fruit. That will glorify Jesus. Let's pray, Father God. We want to thank Thee this morning for the opportunity to be found to be found in a place like this, where we can look at Your Word. And Father, we realize that so many times we have to confess that we have failed You, and we are disappointed in ourselves. But thank you, God, that you love us, that you are prepared to forgive us if we confess. Lord, your desire for us is to bring forth much fruit and to experience the joy, the fullness of God as we abide in you. I pray for each, every man and woman present in this place of worship this morning. God, you know their hearts, you know their needs. Whatever it may be that whatever, they, whatever it may be that's being a hindrance to them, bringing forth that fruit, I pray Lord, that you will graciously, lovingly deal with each one accordingly. We commit them to you. And you are saying this morning, even in this time of closing prayer, Barry, I realize this morning. I've committed my life to Jesus. And to be quite honest, I haven't really been bringing forth the kind of fruit. I haven't been abiding the way I should have been. But this is my heart's passion this morning. This is my desire. I want to be the man and the woman that God wants me to be. Could you please pray for me in your closing prayer? Would you like to do that? Would you just indicate that this morning if you need pray? Yes, yes, yes. Amen, yes. Amen. Father, this morning we bow before you. And I pray that in Jesus' name, everyone who has raised and indicated their hands, Lord God, we might see the hand, but you see the heart. I lift them up before you, and whatever their need may be, in the name of Jesus, I pray that this day will be a turning point for them. Lord, as they rededicate their lives to you, so that they can experience the full joy of the Lord, and to bring forth the fruit that will remain, much fruit that will glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.